Kia ora koutou. welcome to the panel RNZ National, Lana Searle and Ed Amon with me this afternoon. And as it creeps closer to the end of the year, it's usually time for reflection and look forward to the year ahead. Well, I had to be a downer first thing, but it's all looking a bit grim on the economic front. Annual inflation is staying stubbornly high. The official cash rate and mortgage rates are expected to keep rising. And if that's not bad enough, there are warnings of a global recession. So, look, it does get lighter later on the show, but we cannot avert our eyes on what is happening out there. So with us is Cameron Bagri of Bagri Economics. Cameron, welcome. No, good afternoon. So, yeah, looking uh, a few things to look forward to, Cameron. You've got your Christmas mince pies, a good pudding. But after that, 2023, how are we looking? Oh, a term comes to mind. It's called, you know, paying the piper. You know, if you step back and you have a look at what's gone on for the past couple of years particularly, you know, obviously challenging times in some areas such as tourism with borders shut. But if you look at more broadly, the government spent a hell of a lot of money over a pretty short period. Interest rates were down at effectively zero, the cash rate, low mortgage interest rates. Uh, Reserve Bank printing an awful lot of money, and then you roll together some supply shocks. Well, you roll together some supply shocks and, regard, and printing a whole lot of money, and you unleash this thief out of jail called inflation. And inflation is the big economic reset variable, which basically tells us that the party time is over and the hangover's around the corner. Yeah, and the party time will really be over, I guess, Cameron. Uh, it has been just talked about in other programs as well, but let's just bring it up again. Mortgage rate rises. Uh, reading, reading something here. So if you have, say, for example, uh, a $600,000 plus mortgage in Auckland, pretty average, um, that would mean nearly a thousand bucks a week, a fortnight extra. Yeah, well, the numbers are pretty eye-watering. So if you go back you know, 12, 18 months ago, you could walk into a bank and you would have got a two-year rate around 2.2%. Well, in about six months' time, yeah, that fixed mortgage rate is going to be probably up around the mid-sixes. Yeah, so you're effectively talking not just about you know, a 20, 30, 50% increase in your mortgage cost. You're talking jumps in your mortgage cost of 200 to 300%. Yeah, so that, that, those are eye-watering lips. Now, stepping back, the 6% fixed mortgage rate to a lot of people out there, well, that still seems pretty cheap when you put it within a historical context. I have yes. back mm. 10, 20, 30 years. But, of course, we've been in a declining interest rate environment for a long time, and a lot of people have had the expectation interest rates remain low for longer, and the Reserve Bank was out there saying that in May 2021. Yeah, so she's a pretty rude wake-up call in regard to what's going on across the New Zealand economy at the moment. And, and the Reserve Bank's in a pickle. You know, inflation is a fundamental problem. Inflation does not work for society or the economy in general. Inflation's issue number one across households, according to the Ipsos Issues Monitor. So we've got to get that inflationary deep back in jail. It's a high priority. But, of course... The economic consequences of locking that thief back up are pretty stark when you look at asset prices are falling as we speak. You know, don't look at your KiwiSaver balance. No, yeah. Your house has no. gone backwards in price. Yeah, we are going to dip into a recession at some stage. And, of course, the other social variable that we're going to unleash on the other side to contain inflation is, unfortunately, the unemployment rate is going to move up. So in the desire to contain one evil, we're going to create some economic and social problems out the other side. So that's, that's, that's a funny old world of economics where we use the term, there's no free lunch. 
Mm. And Lana, we are all feeling, aren't we? I don't know if you're, if you're in a situation where you, you have a mortgage or you've got your yeah. KiwiSaver there and you're not looking at it. What do you think? Yeah, well, well, Cameron, my question is just looking back at you know the last few years when those interest rates have been very low, how many new homeowners do you think are going to find this too hard? Well, we're going to find out in the next 12 months. But if you look oh. at yeah, two to three years ago, your banks were using what's called test serviceability mortgage lending rates up around 7-9%. Now, so based on that and where mortgage interest rates are today, provided people were providing accurate income numbers within their uh, loan applications, you'd say not too many people are going to get into economic difficulty on the face of it. But, of course, what we saw in the last 18 months was that when interest rates were hit even lower lows, those test serviceability rates declined with actual rates, and some banks were using numbers mm. in the sixes. Now, that could create a, a bit of a problem out the other side. Yeah, but you're stepping back. You know, house prices are well down. Like Auckland house prices are down about 18% from their peak in November last year. But let's not forget that Auckland house prices rose about 40% in two years. Yeah. So yes, there's some real big payback on the other side, but there were some absolutely outlandish increases over the pre- previous two years. Yeah, and Ed, Amon, I think you said um, you, you you do have a mortgage as well, but I think you fixed for three years. Yeah, I fixed in oh. January for three years, so which I, I got a bit lucky, but it did double, um, Cameron, from my initial two point something to about five percent. So I fixed, uh, I fixed it, but um, oh, four point five percent. But it is um, so I consider my kind of lucky because of timing, and. Um, but my my question my question to you was I mean did we did the Reserve Bank make a mistake at the start of the pandemic when all of a sudden we wanted to keep the interest rates extremely low because we were worrying about the econ- the economy going worse during the pandemic where when it did it did not happen and um, it kind of <laughs> spiraled out into this big giant. Uh, a ball of trouble that we are facing. Should it uh, should it have been at the start that we could have started increasing a tiny bit at that time and with some foresight? You there, Cameron? Yeah. Hindsight's a wonderful thing. Yeah. And if you go back and have a look at where we were in February, March of April 2020, well, let's be honest, all bloody hell was breaking loose, and we really didn't have a clue. So the spirit of what both the government and the Reserve Bank did in regard to going big, delivering big bazooka support to the economy, was broadly right. Mm. Now, being broadly right does not mean you are absolutely right. So some of the things that the Reserve Bank brought in, for instance, like the scale and the degree of the large-scale asset program, or what's called the printing of money, you know, I, I step, think they stepped beyond what they should have done with that. The funding for lending program, the cheap money for banks. You, Lord knows why we needed a crisis liquidity tool for banks without a liquidity crisis. You know, some of the money that the government had deployed within COVID, and they've actually been raiding that COVID relief fund and, and, and using it to fund a whole lot of other initiatives. Outside of COVID, we know non-COVID-related expenditure is up 11% in the last 12 months. That's not helping inflation. So in spirit, we did the right thing. Yeah, well, I'm just, we, we, we over-egged the omelette well and truly. Because imagine too, Cameron, if um, 
th- th- those funds weren't available for the thousands of businesses that actually did exactly. make prudent use of that money. Yeah. Just imagine the conversation, Cameron, that we'll be having today. Yeah, and, and, what, and what we also need to can't forget about this, there's been a remarkable set of circumstances post-COVID, yeah, how long it's taken the world to reconnect. Yeah, developments in China right. have not helped. The Ukrainian-Russian uh, situation has not helped as well. Yeah, who, who would have thought that around the globe, like the, mm. the United States, the UK, Australia, everybody's got an unemployment around 3.5%. It's almost like we've, we've lost millions of workers in the last two years, and we're sort of wondering about well, where the hell have they all gone? Mm. And we were into is yeah, the ultimate inflation battleground is going to be jobs versus inflation. And it's not a pretty, it's a Clayton's choice in regard to what's going to take place. But yeah, stepping back, if there's one conversation we need to have across New Zealand, it's pretty simple. We, we, can, we can get inflation under control by either belting the head of the economy from the top down, you know, that, that's setting demand to bring it back down to be more in line with supply, whereas we can try to fix inflation from the bottom up. You know, that's trying to boost supply to catch up in demand. And one of the big ones here is just immigration settings. You know, immigration settings has just turned into an absolute debacle. We, we need to be having different debates and have it, helping the Reserve Bank tame that inflationary thief. Yep. And a lot of it is just that smart policy to help our little economy grow a little bit faster. Okay. And we, and, Kevin, we're going to be touching on some of that, uh, particularly immigration, later on in the programme. But always good to have you on. Kia ora. Appreciate your time. That is Cameron Bagri there of uh, Bagri Economics. 16 past four, Lana Searle and Ed Amon joining me. Lovely, as always, to have your company. Now, it's likely that the major issue on the agenda in Tamaki Makaurau in the next few years will be whether to shift the port Wayne Brown, he wants to do it and return the land to public use. Auckland Central MP Chloe Swarber, she backs it. Many feel the glittering jewel that is the Auckland Harbour is losing out with thousands of cars lined up on the dock behind gates. Time to plant the land out in tussocks and grasses, an area for living, doing capoeira on the grass. Do you I do love this. I'm imagining it. Yeah, hacky sack. <laughs> Does the super city need a port as opposed to bringing in goods from 100 k's away? Well, I know the who who is the person to get on this, and that's the former mayor of Waitakere, Sir Bob Harvey. Sir Bob, welcome. Sure, <laughs> everybody. What? What? This yeah. is a great panel. This is a great exercise in common sense. What the <laughs> hell is it doing? What? Why do we look left? and see a glorious waterfront all the way to the silos and look right. And there's a bloody nightmare of, of cars, caravans, trucks. I don't know how we've let this go for so long. Well, I'll tell you what, Bob, I'll tell you what, it's about <coughs> economics. Get rid of those cars. Be prepared for New Zealanders to pay hundreds of dollars uh, more on their car purchase. Nonsense. Absolutely. Where did you get that from? You know, I think this is a mayor that's going to fix things, well, so he says, and this is the easy fix. This has to be the best easy bloody fix I've ever heard in my lifetime. Get the cars off and restore the the uh, right-hand side of the Auckland Waitamata 
headlands, bring back a couple of beaches. I've seen some fantastic ideas, terrific plans on what we could do, and cars aren't part of it. All right, well, let's bring in Ed. He's in Auckland. What do you think, Ed? Uh, yes, I, uh, I can't. Um, you're, uh, um, uh, Good so, so, Bob, so, Bob, you are you're, um, uh, my only favourite mayor at the moment. So <laughs> it is, um, it's great to be talking to you. And um, I, I completely agree that we need a, we need a solution for um, the ports. Um, yes, we do. Yes, the, we do. the thing is that I, I always feel confused in the politicization of the issue as a common man comedian person living in Auckland. So I know it is a good Good. So, what? What? How can I explain you need it to my? Jokes for this one, yeah. <laughs> how can I? How can? So, I I understand that you know you it, it is it, it doesn't look good, but how does it make economic sense? That's what I want to understand. I mean, it does. It, it looks weird, but it makes I always, huge economic sense, mate. Yeah. It really does. I mean, the the land. It's very valuable land. It's mm-hmm. absolutely wasted what it is now. It's not only an eyesore. It's, it's a nightmare, and we don't need it. Why would we need it? I've written a book called Seed, The History of the Waitamata, and the more I kind of wrote that book and fell in love with the harbour all over again, I realised the port must be reduced. Uh, part of it to Tauranga, part of it to Northland. Uh, Are we using it as a storage? Here, a a storage Here's one for you, Bob. You're going to love this, Bob. Um, Jill says... Oh, I'm right now, what timing, sitting at traffic lights, central Auckland, and watching four double truck and trailer units following each other from the port. I'm just thinking what madness it is to have the port in central Auckland. I'm proceeding Uh to crawl along behind them in the already choked traffic. Uh, Don't we all? And it's on a rail link. We should move everything quickly by rail. I mean, the, the nightmare of large, you know, massive trailers, massive transport going, dragging itself through St- Stanley Street um, up, right. you know, the whole nightmare of what we're doing. Time to get over it. Let's Mr. Get Fixit, it. the new mayor, has got to do it. Do it soon. All right. Let's get a sense of perspective. Let's just tie her on, on the Aucklanders and let's bring in the mainlander in, Lana. <laughs> a mainlander, but from Northland. So I know straight away there's a good port further north. Um, We're winning but today. I also, well, exactly, I mean, look, I, I look, I look at Littleton um, in, in, in Canterbury, and I see that that's it's a big space, but the port there is is a lot more condensed and further around the corner. And and actually, about six six weeks ago, I was I was at the viaduct, and I spoke with a few people who had come off the first cruise ship, and the first thing they said to me was, "What's going on with the port?" Um, and I was almost embarrassed as someone who's not even in Auckland to say, "Ah, oh, yeah," and they said it just looks like a big car park. And that's the that's the, that's the it problem, is. isn't it? It's, it's, yeah. it's I mean, just Littleton a is a perfect facility. example. It's a great port, um, and around the world, uh, and I love cities and I love city planning. Around the world, they've moved the port. Sometimes gently, sometimes a little quieter, mm. uh, and sometimes they've moved it in big ways. You know, Guggenheim is built in Balboa after moving the port. London moved the port, but we're New not we're not Balboa. We're not the Guggenheim. Or Auckland we city. could be. Come on, we could be. We've got. We're a glorious city. We're the largest city in Australasia. We are a beautiful Pacific city, and it could be great without those cars. 
I mean, what the hell? Why can't we do that? Why haven't we done it before? And I'm mm. asking the mayor, uh, Wayne Brown, to do it now. I done. think he's. Yeah. I mean, he's a, the key. Uh, he's a key actor in this. He brought together that terrific report on the moving of ports. No one seemed to listen to him, and he got pretty angry. I think that's one of the reasons he stood for the mayoralty and got it, because he got mm. so angry that no one would listen to his excellent report okay. on how we can reduce the port. And I, I know this is a really complex and actually a very nuanced, uh, a massive issue, Sir Bob. Can I just ask you, though, uh, bringing in goods from 200 k's away, I mean, this time, we're a super city. Do we not need a port? Yes, we need a port, but we need it reduced. Uh, I mean, is there six massive cranes down there? Two of them are in use. The rest sit idle. Uh, there is <sighs> the port, the whole management of the port needs a serious look at. I think they're making an effort, which is good, it's a bit overdue, a bit late, but they're doing it. But it has to be looked at seriously and it has to move. Right. It's as simple as that. If, if history has got anything to go for, we should do it now. I'm going to do it now. Nice to have you on the show, Bob. Thanks again, eh? It's always great. Thank yeah, you, guys. that's uh, Sir Bob Harvey there, uh, your favourite mayor there, Ed. I mean, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, you, can, can you see yourself, Ed? I mean, you just, you, you've got the glitter in your eyes. You, you're down there, uh, the tussocks... Uh, um, the, the going back and forth in the wind. Yeah. You're playing hacky sack. Yeah. Um, the bean port, bags. I'm, I'm, I'm bean playing bags. Cricket. Lana's got I'm the playing bean. cricket. I'm playing cricket. You can't play cricket. Too dangerous. <laughs> it's a health and safety issue. You're not going to play cricket. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> With a tennis ball. Straight to cricket. Unbelievable. That's why we can't move. Yeah. It. <laughs> It's 24 past four. Ed Amon and Lana Sir with us. Oh gosh, uh, big response uh, to that. Now. This will get a big response. Tell you what, 11 protesters who halted traffic down one side of Transmission Gully north of Wellington have been arrested by police. Several protests have brought major highways to a halt in the last few days. Yesterday, two protesters abseiled down the Hataitai side of Mount Victoria Tunnel in Wellington and hung a sign saying, Restore Passenger Rail. Restore Passenger Rail spokesperson James Cockrell said they just can't keep blocking their ears and pretending climate change isn't upon us. Well, with us is Rosemary Pinwarden from Restore Passenger Rail. Rosemary, kia ora. Lovely to have you on the programme. Kia ora. Thanks so much. All right. So now you're not one of those who appeared from court today. Some have been processed through the court. But look, Rosemary, protest takes many forms. Do you have to sit on the road holding up the morning commute? It's absurd, isn't it? Quite absurd. Uh, we're well, doing it. To, those, yeah. to those who get disrupted by the likes of you, it is absurd. People trying yeah. to get their kids to daycare, get off to work, it mm. is absurd. And we hate having to do this. We really do. We hate causing the disruption. And the thing is, that we're not being heard without causing the disruption. Uh, we're not being listened to, and we're not, uh, we haven't got the time left. We haven't got the time left. Our emissions are still going up. The Minister, also not happy, Rosemary. He's saying, quoting, these activities, I think, alienate people from the issue, and they're extremely dangerous. What would you say to the Transport Minister? 
I say to the Transport Minister, we need action from him. We need action from this government. Where is our nuclear-free moment? The government action on the climate is actually zero. In fact, I would even go as far as to say it's worse than zero because they're pretending they're doing something. They've got a Climate Change Commission and they've got an ERP and they've got an ETS and they've got, oh, a Zero Carbon Act. I mean, there's more. But our emissions are still going up. All right. I'd like to hear from our wonderful listeners this afternoon. Do you support Restore Passenger Rail and the way they protest or do you not? Text me at 2101. Ed. Um, hi, Rosemary. As, so I'm a, I'm a big fan of passenger rail, and um, also I'm, I'm, I'm completely on board with the COPA co- of uh, climate change. Um, however, um, I mean, you, you say that pay... The thing is that people are not paying attention to the causes and the reasons of climate change after this process. They, after this pro- protest, they are focusing now on your actions. So we're not talking about the issue anymore. We're talking about uh, uh, people blocking the roads or people gluing their hands on the, um, uh, on the walls or uh, throwing uh, tomato juice on Van Gogh. So I- I'm just thinking that I'm, I'm, up, I'm happy with the, with the protest, but it's, it's uh, the people who are voting, they are driving in those cars, and th- those are the ones who enforce change through uh, politicians. If they are not happy, politicians are not going to take actions. Yeah, I get, I get what you're saying, and it's a really good point. Um, a lot of those people in those cars on Transmission Gully, they were very angry, and rightfully so. They had their jobs and, and other things to go to. Uh, there are a lot of people who can't even afford a car in this country, let alone the petrol, to make it go. So we're saying that restoring passenger rail will be a very simple and very doable thing that will help to bring our people together, that will help to um, fix that inequality between rich and poor. It will allow people who are the least um, able in this country to um, to get around, and they can't at the moment. Right. It's not right, and it's not fair. Okay. Now, we're going to do a panel poll, the big response. Um, do you support... Uh, uh, restore passage rail or do you not? Text me 2101. The results add to 5 to 5. Oh my goodness me, huge response here. Uh, <laughs> and uh, as you could uh, well imagine, uh, Wallace absolutely support, uh, totally support restore passenger rail. Our government is doing nothing uh, and uh, others uh, saying hell yeah, 100%, 100% support. Others uh, absolutely not. Lana. I'm just wondering, Rosemary, is there any concern that there's protest fatigue for the general New Zealand public? Protest fatigue. I'm not sure, Lana. I'm. I'm not. I'm really not. Um, I'm, yeah, and no, I'm just sort of gauging when, when we've still got a groundswell protest happening in a few weeks, and then we have this. Is uh, much like Ed's. I'm worried the message could get lost just because yeah, people I, are seeing so, so many protests. I mean, it's a sign of a healthy democracy, in my view. Uh, I I tell you what people are most afraid of and I think most fatigued with is that we have 
been calling for climate action for a long, long mm. time. We all understand that it's now or never because this window of actually being able to make a change is almost closed now. But people don't know what to do and they don't know how to be heard. And we've just proven in the past week and a bit that you have to disrupt to be heard. I've never been on your program before, Wallace. Thank you for calling me. I've been uh, protesting for the climate for more than a decade since my grandson was born in 2011. Uh, I've never been called to be on this program. And I think what happens is there's just not enough people who understand this urgency. And if you're not really tuned in the way I am to all the latest IPCC reports, you don't understand how urgent it is. These scientists, the top scientists in the world, they're panicking. Rosemary, you're always welcome on the show. I really appreciate <laughs> you being on. Thanks so much. And I can tell you something else. The text machine here has gone nuts. <laughs> it's well, gone nuts. So people are talking. People are talking about the issue. Just finally, on this, the New South Wales government has introduced a two-year jail term for protesters who block roads and interfere with facilities. What do you make of that? That is Gandhi saying, first they laugh at you, then oh, I can't remember this. You guys will know it. Then <laughs> yes. something else yeah. happens, and then you win. <laughs> I mean, we haven't any choice. We have got to win. We have got to save a livable future. But- there is no choice. I mean, I mean, if you are uh, quoting Gandhi, I mean, he was, and I'm from Pakistan, and he was one of the uh, big leaders who um, kicked out the British. And there, theirs was sit-ins in front of parliaments and um, uh, hunger strikes. Uh, so theirs was a different style of protest. They, they kind of took people together with the co I'm, I'm not, I love Ed, the thing that you're doing. Ed, but Rosemary Lana, here's the quote. Gandhi said, first they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, then you win. There it is. Thanks, Wallace. All right. Very good. Hey, nice to have the program, Rosemary. Kia ora. Really appreciate it. That's Rosemary Penwarden from Restore Passenger Rail. I can tell you something. There's a new record being broken here on the panel text machine. (laughs) It's astonishing. (laughs) Do you support uh, Restore Passenger Rail and what they've been doing, or do you not? panel poll announced today at 5 to 5 on the show.